Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And today I have a very special conversation for you all. We are joined by Brendan, the writer-director of the new movie, The Cellar, which is out now in theaters and also streaming on my favorite platform, Shudder. How are you doing today? Very good, thank you. Uh, can you tell us a little about yourself or the movie that we're about to talk about? Yeah, well, um, it's my fourth movie. It's... Um... It's called The Cellar. It stars Alicia Cuthbert and Owen Mackin. And it's about a family who move into a new house in the countryside and uh, their daughter goes missing in the cellar. <laughs> yes. Um, it's like one of like the worst nightmares for a parent, right? To lose like like their loved ones, right? Uh, the big thing about this movie, uh, I really enjoyed it. I saw it a few times now. Uh, the first time I saw this movie was at South by Southwest. Uh, where it premiered there, and I, I was like kind of blown away. I love the camera angles, uh, the camera work, and the sound editing. Uh, the whole concept is really great. Um, and one of the main questions we love to ask during this podcast is why horror? Are you a big horror fan, or what like what drives you to do the horror genre? Sure. Just before we get into that, though, can I ask you, were you there at the Saturday night screening on the 12th, the 10th, or the 12th? It was the 12th, was it? Right, I think it was a little bit the of Alamo. showing. Yeah, at the, at the Alamo. Um, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, because I, you know what, I was brought in before that to check the sound, and then I sat through it, and I, I just thought it wasn't loud. So it's a pity because I've I've been at it a few times since, and I've made sure the sound is louder. Right, uh, and I think, and funnily enough, I think it makes a. I know everyone says this. But I think it does make a big difference with this type of film, like, you know, to have the sound pounding you. Um, but anyway, so why horror? Um, well, I don't know if you're if, if you know any of my previous films, but I would say they are all they're all skirting around horror. Um, they're, you know, uh, they're definitely genre films. They've all been in, they've all traveled through the genre circuit apart from pilgrimage because that came out. Uh, it was released in, you know, immediately after Tribeca. So it didn't have a chance mm. to do a festival circuit, but the other two went through all the genre festivals. You know, there's a, there's a whole circuit here in, in Europe, but also I suppose in, in America too now um, that, you know, we used to only just do have the European circuit, but now, Fantastic Fest and Fantasia mm. and stuff is part of, you know, and there's many more actually. But, um, uh, and so I would say like Savage is is a horror film in a way, like in Man, or, in Man is the is the, the monster in that. The second film is 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 is, is, is uh, based on a Japanese novel by Kiyoishi who wrote many more horror films. In fact, there was a remake of one of his uh, films, um, I'd have to look it up for you now, but it's, I think it's called Apartment Something. Anyway, it's a ghost story in a apartment block. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that, that, that original novel was like pretty hardcore. It was sort of a necrophilia, necrophilia story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, you know, he's known for writing things like, there's a, he also has one, I think it translates as The Last Supper maybe. And it's about a plastic surgeon who um, develops a taste for human flesh. So you can tell that he's high concept in the sort of uh, out there horror sort of place. So, you know, this, so the second movie was definitely like, but you know, again, I always try and do something different with it. So when I was, when, when I was doing Love Eternal, I was going, well, how will I make this different? So I tried to make it as sweet and and as thoughtful as possible. 
So, <laughs> you know, but it's still, the roots are, are definitely genre. Pilgrimage is an action movie, but it's an ultra-violent action mm -hmm. movie. You know, once the action gets, kicks off, you know, it, there's quite a lot of head-splitting and uh, decapitation and stuff like this. So I would, so that's a long way around explaining to you that I, I would say nearly all my films have been within the horror genre. My, my short films, you know, there's one that's nearly like a homage to Shirley Jackson's The Lottery. Mm. Um, there's obviously the original Ten Steps, which is the mm. short film that the seller's based on. Um, there's an, there's a, a sort of fantasy medieval film, which actually nearly predates, you know, my interest in like from Pilgrimage. Um, and I'm trying to think there's another crazy ultra violent one. And there's a very dark drama about a kid who leaves his friend down a well after he's fallen down a well um, because he wants him to take a message to his father in heaven. And so like that's a drama. But we're still like all of these things are mm -hmm. within the genre spectrum, basically. Um, so why horror and why the seller? The seller, I suppose, is the more pure, obvious horror but and i've had this discussion with many people on these these uh interviews i've done and you know we talk about i've talked about sort of like the horror spectrum how wide the the different types of horror films are but even within the different sort of subgenres of horror the spectrum of horror that on one end you've got like say elevated horror or or maybe like what you might even say is really trend forget elevated really transgressive horror <laughs> which is probably i i probably prefer that end than even elevated horror like i mean i prefer martyrs or or now i'm not going to go back to the, the 70s and but i do when i hear of a film that people are walking out of or it's you know and even like say a serbian movie or the centipede one I sort of wanted to watch them when I heard about them. And I've got that, that part of me that wants to see these things. You know, I'm not saying like they were, they all delivered for me, but then on the other end of that is the other films that I used to love just going into the DVD shop on the way home on a Friday night. And I didn't feel like anything too taxing and I'd get something like, and I always use this as an example, because I remember going home with it one night and just going, this is going to be fun. I'm going to get a takeaway Chinese or something. And I, and I had a movie called Sherry Falls, which was, you know, it was after Scream. I think there was a couple of knockoffs after Scream. And this was a sort of slasher movie where the rules, you know, the slasher rules are virgins will die. So they have a big party to all lose their virginity. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's, it's the concept is just, yeah. it's ridiculous. But I just knew I was going home for a bit of fun. Um, so I suppose I like all the, I like all types of horror, horror movies. And, um you know, and with The Cellar, I suppose, like, The Cellar had originally with the short film had had started out nearly in, in that sort of, it, it was family friendly. I and mean, that was the original go with the short film. And I suppose that carried on with the with the seller. So there was only one way it was going to go. So, you know, I suppose. So when you ask why horror and specifically the seller's type of horror, you know, the blueprint for it was made years ago when we made the short film, really. Yeah, I love a lot of stuff that you just touched upon. I love that you talked about the spectrum of horror, how it like has such a expansive grasp on a lot of different audiences there is a horror film for everybody out there right um you know i would even suggest and and that some of the most interesting horror films out there 
uh, that people don't even recognize them as horror films. The ones that really are bending the, the and breaking the genre. Mm-hmm. I, I, and you know, and I would even put Gaspar Noé, some of Gaspar Noé's films, in the horror genre because I think they're so shocking and visceral that there's no other there's no other genre to put them in, and there has to be, and it's so inclusive the horror genre, the whole spectrum of it that, you know, I, I would just call it extreme. You know, so they're extreme movies. They're like the um, Itchy the Killer, right? They're, you know, like, and so they have to, there has to be a place with it under the horror umbrella for, I, I would even put, um, there's a film, a very strange one. Harold Pinter, I think, wrote the screenplay and Paul Schrader directed it. And I was just talking about it to someone the other day. I think it's called Comfort of Strangers. And it's a strange movie set in Venice that is very slow burn until the end. But, you know, I might be stretching it to be try and put this in the horror genre. <laughs> but I suppose what my point is, is I see the horror genre as very wide. And I think films that are poking, po- they're, they're upsetting you or they're asking questions of dark play in dark places. I think they all fit within the horror genre, you know? I agree. Um, for me, like a little background around me is like, I love film. I love movies in general. I, I, I think it has the greatest uh, capabilities to tell very important stories. And my favorite genre, of course, what I'm doing right now is horror. And the reason why I like that is because horror can actually dive into uncharted territories where you can't really do maybe in a comedy or a drama, but you can actually like do something like, uh, I don't know if you've seen a movie like Relic that tackles on like the mental health of someone who has dementia and how yes. that looks like. And the horrors of real life, right? We all go through stuff. We all struggle and maybe we all are depressed sometimes or we are scared to do something. Uh, Horror films are very cathartic. And I think that's where more powerful stories come from. And like even with your movie, The Cellar, it tackles a lot of themes of like family dynamics as like a very like simple thing, but it's also very complex of how we interact with one another or the love that we have for someone and and the stuff that we're willing to do for someone. And I guess that's that's gonna be like my next question. Like, what kind of themes did you want to bring out on the movie? What what did you want? Uh, what, what did you want your movie to connect? And it doesn't really have to be like you know super. Well, like, I just want to make a scary movie. That completely yeah. thing, right? Well, in, right. It, you know, I have to be honest and say that it was a sort of more. It was a plot driven. It started with plot, so mm-hmm. the characters fitted into my plot. So that is normally not the way you go when you want a character-driven movie. So I would say that's probably obvious, you know, to a certain point. But, you know, through the development process and quite, you know, rigid and strict um, system that we have here in Ireland for development anyway, I wasn't going to get through with with absolute not caring at all about the characters. So, you know, and it was interesting when you just brought up the themes there, the family dynamics. Do you know, there was another film that, again, I still... I, I I would say I have to claim it uh, in the horror genre because it's about a serial killer. Um, but it's a, uh, a Dutch film and this Dutch name is Spurlose, but it's actually The Vanishing. It was remade with Jeff Bridges mm. and it was very badly remade because they changed the ending completely, you know, and the, the original film, and I have it, I've bought it because it, it's a very haunting movie. And uh, I have never forgotten when I watched it first and it cuts forward years later because this this it's basically this guy has um just lost his girlfriend at a a, a garage a, a, what do you call it a petrol station on the motorway um or a service station you know mm-hmm. uh, she just disappeared she's been kidnapped and he can't find her and it, the story jumps forward many years and um he's obsessed with finding out what 
happened to her. Like, and that's the whole drive of the film. And at the end, yeah. he does find it. It's so twisted how he finds out, but he finds out. Um, but it starts with him putting posters up, these missing posters. And I never forgot it. And he found it way into the cellar as well. Um, so, but, you know, what other themes was I dealing with? Yes, the family dynamics. And then there's some subplots in there about advertising and marketing and social media mm. and, <laughs> and stuff. I, I do love that aspect of stuff, like in the very opening sequence and stuff like that, where she's like in the board meeting. It's like, yeah, no, I love that you added that stuff in there. And it's the kind of stuff that people are going to relate to, right? That's the thing that's like, that's going to pop up and people are sure. going to take something out. Yeah. It's great. I mean, look, in fairness, that stuff was in there because I, I wanted conflict between mother and daughter, but it also helped me because, you know, I was finding it hard was I was writing the script to send characters, punish them and the innocent characters and send them to hell. So in a way, you know, when I made someone a marketing advertising exec who was willing to use, you know, young girls vulnerabilities against them to sell them crap, Mm -hmm. it made it quite easy then, you know, no matter how much they atone or there, it still made it easy for me to sort of for bad things to happen to them. No, of course. It also gives her uh, a lot more character development that way. It's like, oh yeah, she's a very smart individual. She's going to look for the resources and investigate. And it has that new water investigation uh, side of sure. the movie as well, which is really great to see. And I would love to talk about Alicia's cuff. Or, uh, I think her sure, performance yeah. is really great. She's very dynamic in all of the ranges that she goes through in the movie. Uh, she goes through a lot. I felt really bad for her. And <laughs> It's great seeing her in a, a horror film, and like I'm a big advocate for like Twitter and stuff like that. I always see like the core community really interact with each other, and a lot of people's like, "Oh yeah, it's like I remember seeing her in um, uh, the, the Museum of Wax." I think it was called. Oh yeah. Cool. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's it's great to see her in this movie and and, and her uh, role itself too. Can you talk a little bit about her and how it was working with her and to get what you wanted? Yeah, I mean, look, she's a really easy and nice person. And and so I'm not just saying that that literally is who she is. She's nice. She's funny. She's smart. And just, you know, really easy to get on with as well. Like, I mean, very quickly when I met her and we were staying in these cottages near the house um, for two weeks before we started filming. And so when I would finish doing whatever other prep I was doing during the day, I could hang out with the two actors in the evening time. And it was, you know, it was nice to just get to know them, but very quickly, I just realized that she was really nice, really, really easy to get along with. And um, yeah, and she was just really supportive, I have to say. Um, you know, I tell a story and I'll try and tell it really quickly. But on the last night we were shooting in the house, I had run out of time, basically. And it was the last night shooting. It was the last scene of the film. I was over time, half an hour. And I still had these shots that I needed to get to finish the film. The shots, so you, you know, the whole sequence at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's within that front hallway and the front door. And I needed, to, I wasn't even, I wasn't being fussy and looking for extra shots. I just needed the basic shots. And I said to them, we're going to have to start shooting these in, you know, one take and then just move on to the next shot. And, uh, you know, the, the main reason I tell this story is that like another actor could have freaked out and could have freaked out at me because they'd be so angry that I've put them under this pressure because the, whatever the time has been, you know, but that's the budget we were under and the time pressures. Um, but they could also have freaked out in another way internally and just started fluffing their lines because they were under so much pressure. And I remember the whole cast, not just Alicia, all of them saying, don't worry, we've got your back. 
you know, we don't mind doing one takes and then doing their takes and nailing them in one go. So, you know, I, I just, you know, working with people like that is just amazing because you just, you're fully supported, you know? Yeah. Uh, you literally, uh, I, I, you can't tell because I'm in the office. We're doing this virtually. Uh, my hair stood up and I got a little goosebumps. I love hearing yeah. stuff like that because a lot of people don't know what really goes on behind the scenes, right? What really goes on to make a movie. And sometimes yeah. it's like, uh, and low I, budget. yeah. And I, I tell everyone in every interview I talk about, it's like, it takes a whole village to make a movie and oh, yeah. that teamwork to like, just get the job done and it works out. And I'm really happy to hear it's a very um, supportive story that you were telling me is that everyone was on board and everyone was like, yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's get it and, done. And it wasn't, it wasn't just the cast. It was the whole crew as well. Right. So I mean, I was very lucky. I mean, I'm sure not every film can tell these stories and sometimes right. there's hard experiences, but this was a brilliant experience for me. Yeah. Yeah, I love the the movie magic behind the scenes and stuff like that. I was talking to another uh, interviewer, and he's just like a little kid, right? He's like seven years old. He's like, oh, yeah, there was a scene where I had to limp. I never limped before, so I don't know how. So I put a rock in my shoe, and then that made me limp. I was like, that's the small details. <laughs> like, no one's ever going to know that, right? The fun facts of uh, yeah. behind the scenes. And I guess maybe this could be your most memorable moment, but was, was there another memorable moment while doing uh, filming? Or how long did it take you, know, you guys to make it? Uh, it was five weeks. Oh, yeah, wow. five, oh, okay. 25 days, 26 days. We shot on next, we shot on a Saturday. One of the weeks we shot some drone footage and uh, computer screens because you don't need the full crew out for those days. So we would, you know, it's a minimal crew just to shoot the computer stuff. And then um, the drone was, you know, you just need an extra in the car. We didn't have to cast. So, you know, when anytime you see the car driving along by the lake or anything, but um, memorable, I, you know, when people ask me, actually, that drone day was quite nice because it's quite relaxing. Mm -hmm. uh, but no, my most memorable moment, and I've been asked this before, and the first thing that came to mind was we were shooting in these tunnels underneath the lake. And they're like, there used to be a big stately home, a house there. And all of the houses in Ireland that were built in a certain time, like the one we, you know, we shoot in, but they were they all have these servants tunnels underneath and it's so the food and stuff can go up but also so the servants don't go in the front door and they're like these tunnels long tunnels and this one um has uh, also was beside a lake so it has a pump house and it must have been used for making you know i don't know milling or something and it's all it's destroyed now so there's all there's no house left anymore but there's all water dripping mm -hmm. off the roof the stalactites coming down there's I think there's a sign on the way in warning you to be careful of veal's disease, you know, like uh, the, the rat disease. Um, and I remember it was Alicia because at the end of the film, she's wearing this sort of tank top and the water's and it's freezing cold. It's November and it's nighttime mm -hmm. and the water's dripping on her and dripping on her. <laughs> and I remember just looking at her and going um, and she was looking at me, but she was, you know, I could tell that she was still had that sense of humor. And I said, in two weeks time, you'll think about this and you'll, you'll laugh. We'll all laugh. <laughs> right. um, so I still, I still remember that moment because I was able to know that in two weeks time, we'd all be back. It'd be Christmas time and it would be worth it. You know, you know, having gone through it. It's it's like those moments where it's like it's all worth it, right? And yeah. it's just like yeah, we all laugh about it. And um, and talking about like stuff like that too. There's a lot of great atmospheric moments in this movie too, where it feels very like kind of cold and dry, and you feel it too. You feel like that 
um especially i'm talking about like the the end sequence the end sequence is phenomenal by the way congratulations on that you guys did a phenomenal job with it um and there's this element of uh like you guys use like science and mathematics how do you incorporate that like where'd you get the idea from i found that very interesting i have never seen something like that it's very cool and refreshing to look at which is awesome yeah, I mean, it probably comes from many different areas. You know, I do have an interest in string theory and quantum physics. But I'm, I'm sh terrible at understanding it, but I do. I have, and I've resorted to some sort of ideas of fractals in the universe before in, in one of my films when there has been anything to do with, say, spirituality or the afterlife. And in this, I didn't want to go down the sort of the normal Judeo-Christian myth, uh, mythology and mm -hmm sort of symbols sort of like hell and the devil i wanted to do something different and i suppose you know i mean there's many different things but i suppose hp lovecroft and his cosmic mm -hmm. horror has to have had some influence there you know the just because I, I i call that end sequence that you're talking about i call that the void and and i remember when i was i couldn't afford it in the end but in the sky i wanted to have like a supernova or something that would tell you that you were somewhere deep into the universe nearly. Uh, that's not how it turned out in the end, but you know, you can see where my brain was thinking that it, these different dimensions were part of the universe. So it was a sort of, yeah. And, and that's a HP Lovecraft trope basically, you know? No, that's great because I have the same interest, right? I, I love like quantum mechanics and like how, like what what's out there. We don't know, but it could be a thing. And we we're seeing a very influx on like multiverse movies and stuff like that too. Mm. Um I, I love when you can bring like the science into real life because also that could be something that's unexplored as well. So I mean it works very well for the movie. And I love the whole entire like the counting sequences and stuff like that too. It builds a lot of suspense. And especially for like a character that you care about and especially with like Alicia Cuthbert's character, you're rooting for her the entire time. And yeah, it, it's haunting. It's it's a very haunting movie, and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it for those who haven't seen it already. But um, yeah, no, I I love this movie. Um, I think you're working on like newer projects coming down the line as well. Do you want to share a little bit about that, if you can? If not, that's totally understandable. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm working on and just I have it all all on the wall there, and I've done. In fact, I have the first draft, and I'm just starting on the second draft. That's the first draft there, called The Convert. Um, it's a revisionist folk horror where St. Patrick tries to convert a mysterious woman who's, uh, he rescues from being sacrificed from a sect of Druids. So he's trying to convert them as well, the sect of Druids. Now, this one is very different to the, the, in terms of horror. Mm -hmm. This one is more adult, again, you know, like it's ultra-violent, it's psychedelic, it's it's uh, it, you know, it's it, it, it's definitely not for children. It's not a family movie, and it's also quite transgressive in terms of it's Ireland's patron saint, and it's like Saint Patrick that you've never seen, like you've never seen him before, you know. Yeah, uh, I do want to ask a question too around um, your partnership with Shudder. How's that been? Amazing, yeah. I mean, Shudder are a fantastic company, um. What's really interesting is, is I remember Emily Gatto, who, who's, you know, running Shudder there. I, um, years ago when I was making Love Eternal, she was working in the same office where I was editing in a company called Fastnet Films. So it's just, it's, it's really, really 
nice to like when we were launching at South by Southwest Shudder came up Emily came up and 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 RLJE actually films as well came mm-hmm. up but everyone was we went for dinner and it was just really nice to come full circle like to you know because that was going back 2011 2012 so it was nearly 10 years ago do you know that when we were all doing different things um but you know Shudder have been amazing they they in terms of the uh, you know, promotional material and the, the effort they go to, go to mm-hmm. through, you know, even um, with the PR company, you know, uh, Katrina Wan PR, who you're dealing with, are fantastic. Like, so, you know, I, I actually have never done as much press um, in my life. And it's like, uh, and it's great, you know, it's it's fantastic for the film. And I know that that this is Shudder driving this. So yeah, I think they're really good. They're, they're really supportive Shudder. And um you know, and they know their stuff as well. So um, it's a great uh, platform. I have to say, like, I completely agree with you. Every person I've ever worked with, and like you brought up Katrina, who set this up. So shout out to you if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic people. I think everyone yeah. within the horror community is like the nicest people. And that's what I've learned throughout, like, doing this entire podcast and talking to people is there are people who care. And your care and well thought out mind made this an incredible movie and i just have to say congratulations i mean um if for people who haven't checked this out already uh, it is streaming on shutter and it's also in theaters right now too so if you can see on the big screen definitely go do so um and yes sign up for shutter if you're listening to this you're a horror fan you have to do it it's the best thing ever uh but do you have any last minute thoughts on your movie or something you want to share with us um would it be words of wisdom words of wisdom i mean yeah you said it all sign up to shutter and and uh and not just for the seller like it's a fantastic uh service yes oh sorry there is one last thing yeah it's exclusive on shutter um i think for two weeks and then it is going wider. I think it will be, you know, I think there'll be a physical copy in Walmart. There'll be like the Ruby DVD and Blu-ray. And I've done, um, I did a commentary. A short film is on that with a commentary. There's a making of, there's a sort of behind the scenes of the VFX. Of the VFX. So it's quite, it's quite a good, it'll be quite a good package as well. Yes, I love it. Uh, always supports uh, physical me- media as well. Yeah, it's great. Which Shutter is always behind too. I always see them releasing stuff on. That's uh, true. They do. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, this was a pleasure of a conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed the seller. It was great meeting you. Uh, is there any place people can find your work? Are you on social media at all? We have uh, uh, Savage Productions. Is the company I run with Connor, uh, who's produced all my features. Um, so we're on Twitter, Savage Productions Ireland, or Savage Productions I-R-E. There's a Facebook page and there's an Instagram as well. And we have a website, savageproductions.ie. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, well, this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was your host, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. It was a pleasure serving you. <laughs>